Welcome to episode 143. Today's guest is Andy Heller. This is his third appearance as we continue to talk about his book, Take the High Road Divorce with Compassion for Yourself and Your Family. The topic of today's podcast is all about the holidays. As we are rapidly approaching the holiday season of 2023, I believe this is very relevant to talk about it, especially if you have kids who are living between homes, how to create that peace during the holiday season. Andy created this book, Take the High Road, Divorce with Compassion for Yourself and Your Family, after he went through his own divorce and he saw a crucial hole in the self-help space for men and women navigating through divorce. And this book is his give back effort to make the process easier for those who are considering or who are on a divorce path. You can check out his book in the episode notes. Thank you for reviewing, downloading, and subscribing to our podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to spread the message and help single parents not only survive, but thrive. Enjoy this conversation with Andy. Thank you to all my listeners out there and a special thank you to Giggles613 for leaving us a 5-star review over an Apple podcast. Attention single moms, what a great podcast to help navigate all of the challenges we face as single moms. Put on your headphones and dive in. Thank you Giggles613 for leaving us this awesome review. If you like to be featured on the podcast, be sure to leave us a review over an Apple podcast to help spread the message, make the podcast available worldwide and help single parents thrive. If you'd like to suggest a future topic for the podcast, please fill out feedback form located in episode notes. Something exciting happened as a result of this podcast on December 9, 2022. Soul Parent Book, Inspirational Wisdom and Guidance on Navigating Life as a Single Parent was born. This is a collection of the most inspiring and powerful stories from wonderful guests over the last 33 months in my podcast, Single Parent Success Stories, stories of accomplishments, challenges, and breakthroughs of single parents as well as experts to help navigate the post-divorce journey. When I started my podcast, my goal was to create a guide to single parents by sharing inspiring stories that remind us there is light at the end of the tunnel, nothing is lost. It's an opportunity for a rebirth and a reinventing of yourself. It's an opportunity to look at life and become conscious of where you are headed and an invitation to create a life by design. If you like to get a copy of the book, please follow links in the episode notes. All proceeds are going to the Kinship Charity. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. 
Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Andy Heller, and we are welcoming him here for the short time because he has such an amazing wisdom and uh, personality that I wanted to have him over again. So welcome, Andy. It is a pleasure to have you here with us. Arena, with an introduction like that, now I like I've got all this pressure. I'm gonna have to give a lot of wisdom, and and but I know we're gonna have a great podcast today. I love this topic. Yes, yes. And before we joined, we decided to dedicate this topic today to how do you go through holidays when you are a single parent and dealing with two households. So I'm gonna share the floor with you, Andy, as an expert. Please go ahead. Okay, well, the first thing I'll say, so I wrote a book, everybody, on divorce, and I am a divorcee. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a uh, therapist. The, the theme of my book was I actually more was a, uh, of, of, a, of the master organizer interviewing countless experts in the field and organizing their guidance for the consumption for everybody, all right? The structure of the book is 46 tips and strategies, of which most divorcees will experience and uh, many of them, but not all. Holidays is the one thing or issue that will affect every single divorcee, all right? Um, because whether you are uh, a, a religious Christian, a Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, atheist, um, or just you follow the secular calendar, the holiday season affects family. And now you're in two households and that presents complications. So this is one of the chapters I wrote about that I knew in writing this was going to affect every single reader. Therefore, had to make sure I got great guidance from the therapy community about how to handle this. And that's what we're going to try to do today is share some of these tips so all of you can benefit um, uh, during the holiday season and make it special for you and for the children, which is the goal. Yes. So uh, let's start off with the basic problem. Okay. The basic problem is there's only one Thanksgiving. You're in two households. There's only one Christmas. You're in two households. Okay. Yes. Now in a perfect world for Christmas. All right. Maybe you find yourself, if you're Christian, uh, a Jewish spouse, you guys will get divorced. So you got Hanukkah. And then you got Christmas. However, oh, I got a feeling we're talking after the fact, not before the fact. So that may not be something you can uh, change right now. All right. So, but let's say you are a mixed religion household. It actually makes the December holiday season a bit easier because uh, a holiday like Hanukkah is a lunar holiday. It changes and it's an eight day holiday. Christmas is the same day every year. So in a divorce structure, if you're in that situation, make sure in the MSA you write it where the Christian spouse, former spouse gets the holiday that's important to them and the Jewish spouse gets a holiday that's important, that's important to them. And because Hanukkah is an eight-day holiday and it's a lunar holiday, so it, it can be early December, it can be late December, it can be middle December. If it happens to be a year that it overlaps Christmas, no big deal. Then because the Christian spouse, they get that Christmas Eve and, the, and, and Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. And the Jewish former spouse 
gets the, the one of the eight days that doesn't conflict with Christmas. So that kind of makes it easy. Okay, but this is the easy one, Irina. All right. So let's start with Thanksgiving, then we'll come to Christmas. Thanksgiving, typically, everybody, is, uh, well, Thanksgiving is uh, on the, I think it's typically the, the second last Thursday uh, of November. Okay, it's a very, very popular secular holiday in the United States. Um, and it's a family-oriented holiday. It's about bringing the family together and enjoying uh, a great turkey dinner, all right? Um, what the therapy community says that you don't want to do is really have competing holidays, all right? It's kind of like the same, the, the same advice as for birthday parties. You don't have a one celebration in one house, one celebration in another house and compete. That's not considered to be good for the kids, okay? Um, they, what they recommend for birthdays is you typically have, um, you alternate and the host and the host and parent invites the other parent to attend. And you're going to have to just suck it up if you guys are not on great terms. Okay. What about inv inviting uh, the significant other of each other? Well, I'll get there in a second. Okay. Um, for Thanksgiving, in general, be, uh, the, the, the recommendation is you simply alternate, okay? Um, and in general, because you're bringing together family that goes outside the immediate family, it's not really recommended that you invite the former parent, okay? And the former parent, if he or she wants to have a dinner around Thanksgiving for him, his or her family, that's kind of okay, all right? Not necessarily competing because it's not like two birthday parties. You only have one Thanksgiving, okay? So the best advice for Thanksgiving is to alternate, okay? Now, there are some uh, divorced families where there's exceptionally good terms after, uh, 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 after, a, hand, after a number of years and the, the, um, the animosity or anger or, or the, these emotions that existed have on it kind of evaporated and you do invite the former spouse, but it's not really considered to be necessary. Enjoy the time. And if you're not the parent that's hosting, just look forward to the next year. Okay. Now Christmas uh, is a holiday where um, you, 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 it's a really big day, particularly if you have younger children. All right. Now, the first thing I would say if you've not signed your divorce agreement is to kind of take an inventory of what are the family traditions of the respective um, divorcees. So for example, it's very common in some families where the eve is a big deal. It's very common in other families where the day is a bigger deal. If you have a structure like that, then and you haven't yet signed your MSA, you can actually have a great win-win-win where both parents win, and most importantly, the children win. So the family, the parent whose family typically celebrates in the, uh, in the eve, let them have the eve. And the exchange is, occurs uh, in the morning, and then the children come to the family that celebrates during the day. Um, my wife, uh, her family, as an example, 
their big get together is Christmas Eve. Okay. Um, so that's in a perfect world. But again, we're not always in a perfect world, guys. All right. So in general, if you have a situation where they're, they're, you've either got your MSA already signed or there's a conflict as to um, which times both of the parents want to and typically celebrate, it's recommended that you split and alternate, okay? And this is where you just simply need to be creative, okay? If you are the parent who doesn't have um, uh, uh, Christmas that year, you just tell your kids, look, guys, we're going to celebrate, you know, it's mom or it's dad's turn to host. We're going to celebrate on this day and we're going to make it really special. And you do that, guys. Um, I'll share a personal story from my, my own family that's kind of similar in that um, my sister and I, uh, when we left the house, we left college, um, we, uh, you had Mother's Day and Father's Day are six weeks apart. My sister, uh, her business was running a summer camp. So she was slammed from May onwards. So what we typically did is we would pick a weekend in between Mother's Day and Father's Day. We both travel to Florida and celebrate, we called it Parents Weekend. Incredibly corny, but my parents ate it up, okay? Um, and uh, my advice to all of you is if you are the parent who's not hosting the big holiday, you do the same thing. Find something corny, make it yours, make it special, and don't worry about the fact that you don't have that one day. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. One other suggestion is, uh, again, if you have not yet signed your MSA or if you signed it and things are kind of not working out overly fair um, and, and you have the ability with your former partner to come back and, and, and make some changes, is to split up the, the, the Christmas holiday and New Year's. So for example, the, the, the parent that gets Christmas in 2023, the other uh, on New Year's Eve and New Year's of that same year, the other parent gets that holiday. So the exchange occurs between Christmas and between New Year's. And then the next year is the other way around. So I like that because the, uh, the parent always has a significant holiday to look forward to. Okay, this year is gonna be New Year's, I'm gonna own New Year's. Next year, I'm gonna own the Christmas holiday. Um, now, one last piece of advice, then I'll, I'll see what questions you have. We can, because I've been talking a lot here, Arena, is um, uh, the, the, one of the most powerful comments that I, I heard in putting this book together was advice given by a co-parent counselor who, who counseled families uh, uh, on putting together good parenting plans that would go into the, the MSA, okay? And become the foundation for the, for the parents to raise their children in two households. She said, and I can quote, you want to look at an MSA, not as a rigid document, but as a framework. 
you're going to find as the years go by two things. Number one, you're going to find that the MSA did not consider things that become important over the years. That's normal. You're also going to find that life intervenes and the dynamics of change, children's, children getting older, new partners coming in, geographic components, financial components, all necessitate adjusting the MSA that was written years earlier. What she was basically saying by that, everybody, is don't go to your former spouse and say, well, the MSA that we wrote and signed seven years ago said this, so this has to happen. You got to be kind of flexible. And the more flexible you can be and fair with your former partner, the more everybody wins, especially the children. Okay. Keep in mind, again, the MSA is a framework to begin the process of separating from one household into two. The MSA will not be able to consider yesterday all the things that are going to happen today and tomorrow and in the future. And you got to understanding that and recognizing it will make it easier when life intervenes and makes some changes that affect both households and the children. So those are some of the really powerful tips that I want to share, Irina. And I'll I'll kind of pause now, see what you what your thoughts are. And any questions? Yeah, well, I, I love your strategies and suggestions, you know, not being a pigeon headed on one particular holiday, but kind of working out a schedule that works for both parents. And to your point, if you have multicultural people uh, living in the same household, how do you divide the holidays? So <laughs> you bring a very good point. Uh, so one question I asked, what about, you know, bringing uh, the significant others to birthdays? And have you dealt with that in your experience? And what would you recommend to uh, other single parents? Yeah, now, this is one area where the advice from the co-parent counsel, counselor uh, that I interviewed most for this divorce was very, very specific. Birthdays, uh, the focus needs to be around the children. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be just one party, okay? Just one celebration. So, and the host and parent alternates every year, assuming there is um, joint custody. And the host and parent invites the non-host and parent to come with him and her, and her family and significant others. And if it's difficult, suck it up and make it special for the children for three or four hours. That's it. It's really simple. And, and, and she did go further and deeper into this. So let's do this in my answer. Why, why, why one party? Why do I have to have my former spouse, who I really prefer not to be around, come for, for, for the, the celebration? Because you don't want to enter a competition where dad's going to do a better party than mom. Mom's going to do go all out and then dad couldn't do that. That's not going to land really well. Okay. And again, it's about your children. So they should have one party. And this is one of those times in a year when the parents should come together. Okay. Now this does get complicated 
for two reasons primarily. One, if there are new partners involved, okay? And, and number two, if there really is unhealthy energy between the parents. Um, and if it's so, so bad when that can't be done, then the alternative is um, the non-host and parent would have some time with the birthday girl or boy for, for a lunch, uh, uh, um, go out for frozen yogurt after school. Um, if it's on a weekend, something outside the party, maybe the dinner. So there can, they can have that FaceTime with the birthday girl or birthday boy, but they don't come to the party because the parents simply can't be in the room. So this is a, so the advice there, Arena, is in a perfect world, the host and parent can receive the non-host and parent. You guys can be together and you can be cordial for the benefit of the child for a two, three, four hour party, okay? In an imperfect world where that's not possible, then create a, an opportunity where both parents have FaceTime. One parent hosts the party, the other parent doesn't. And keep in mind, this hosting of the parties, that's going to go by really, really fast. Because by the time you're, you're, you're talking about your teenager, they're not going to want the traditional parties. They're probably not going to want you around. <laughs> and both of you are going to have to fight just to have a cup of coffee or, or a frozen yogurt with your kids, all right? So um, it's a dynamic that exists if you end up divorcing when your children are young. You know what? You might have this back and forth for three or four times a piece at most, and then, then you're done. Then the kids are teenagers. And then even if you were in the, a one-household family, good luck getting them to want to be with you. <laughs> you're right, you're right. And time uh, does fly so fast. Like in the scheme of things, we look, it feels like when we age, uh, as we get older, uh, days, weeks pass like days. Yeah, and, and you know, um, another wise nugget that was shared by a co-parent counselor, and this was on my, in my own divorce, okay? And again, the, the book is not about Andy Heller, Andy Heller's divorce. I collected this, this guidance and organized it for divorcees, both during the divorce and in the co-parenting that exists post-divorce. But she said to me, I was complaining about something that I was obligated to do as many men and women do as you finalize your deal. And that's very natural. She said, Andy, you're going to be amazed how fast it's going to fly by. And um, what she was saying to me was just suck it up, shut up and keep the focus on your kids because all these complaints will be irrelevant very, very quickly. And probably one of the wisest things I heard um, it does go by quickly. And the good news is everybody, um, again, holidays are really, really difficult. So I don't want with, with, to make it seem like all, all uh, roses and everything. It's a really, really difficult uh, uh, situation because it's not designed for two households. It's not. But now that one household is in two households. So maybe just recognizing that this is a difficult dynamic, all right? And the objective is to make it special for your children. It's not what you want. It's not what you think you do are due or deserve. It's about making the holiday 
memorable for the children. Okay. And I can actually share something that my ex-wife does that I actually kind of admire. Okay. She created something called friends given uh, where she would invite friends and have a turkey typically around Thanksgiving. I think this became a bigger deal on the, the Thanksgivings when the kids were with me and the kids remember that. All right, mom and her th friends given, you know, um, and she made it different enough that it wasn't a competing holiday, but she had that special moment with the kids, a memorable moment um, when the kids were with me for the Thanksgiving holiday. And to me, that's a great example of a win-win. Um, what I talk about in my book, Taking the High Road. Um, and she was very, very successful at not um, creating a competing holiday. It's just something that was hers and she owned it. And I actually did some things in my own environment that were very daddy-centric and memories, kid, memories that the kids would have, that things that happened in my household. So um, again, it, it's, it, it, the holidays are not designed for two households. It is not going to be easy, but there's almost always, I hope that you're, one thing you're taking away from this podcast with Arena and I is that there's, there's compromise opportunities available there. Um, don't be rigid, uh, be flexible. And in some cases it might require just sucking it up. All right. Now there is one other dynamic we should discuss Arena, and that is every now and then you've got a couple where there's a birthday that exists around uh, the big holidays of Thanksgiving and, uh, and um, Christmas, okay? It could be your birthday, a parent's birthday. It could be a child's birthday, okay? So again, that's gonna throw a little bit of a wrench in there because you don't wanna have a situation where, for example, if you're swapping Christmases, and the child's birthday is December 27th, that one parent doesn't have the ability to, to participate in the child's birthday just because it's the other parent's custodial time that uh, turn to have Christmas. Again, in a perfect world, you're listening to this podcast before you finalize your MSA, you can take these problems to your co-parent counselor. You say, okay, here are, here's the schedules. Here's what's important to my, my ex's family. Here's what's important to my family. Here's how we celebrate Hanukkah. Here's how she celebrates Christmas. Here's how uh, 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 she celebrates uh, uh, her birthday is on this date. Uh, uh, little Johnny's birthday is on this date. Give us suggestions. How can we set up our MSA in our co-parenting plan where the kids are the beneficiary every year, and it's fair for both parents. If you've not yet signed your MSA, give this problem to your co-parent counselor. You don't need to tackle it yourself, but give the co-parent counselor the data that he or she needs to come up with a fair plan, okay? The data being how your families typically celebrate the holidays, which parts of Christmas, Hanukkah uh, uh, might be most important to you, um, uh, if they're relevant and significant birthdays around there. And also, 
any other family commitments that might exist around the holidays. So for example, if, if you're, uh, uh, your family has a tradition of doing certain thing on Thanksgiving and traveling to some place, okay? That needs to be given to the co-parent counselor so that can be worked into the uh, MSA. And it's not, there's nothing wrong if you finalize your MSA, you're listening to this podcast, the holidays are always stressful, always a problem and always arguing. If you can get your ex to say, how about if we try to um, amend our MSA, put a structure in place that can make it easier for the next five or 10 years. So it's fair. And then give the co-parent counselor a couple hours to work on a structure that can work for you and your ex and keeping the children's needs uh, paramount. Thank you. you. You're right. You're right. You know, it's all about the children's benefit. It's not about parents arguing and picking dates and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I will say, everybody, in most households that split, the most difficult time is the first year or two after the split. In most cases, you and your ex will reach a point where you can talk, uh, uh, um, hear one another on some level and reach important strategic compromises. So the, the stories where the animosity and the inability to reach agreements continue unchanged five and six years after separation, the good news is that is the exception, okay? And there are, what I would say to all of you is, if you are in a situation where there is a lot of conflict with your ex, podcasts like Arena, books like mine, these are great resources to help you get a management of, of your life where you can move the path towards improving, move towards a place where it, it becomes easier and, and the situation with your ex does improve. And there's sometimes there are steps that you can take, even if you have an uncooperative ex, to create a, 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 an easier environment to make decisions. You're right. You're right. For me, the difficult thing was just figuring out what I wanted. Because at the time of divorce, the lawyers and everybody comes at you. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I don't know what I want. I'm in the fog of divorce. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds it, like you knew what you wanted coming well, in. Well, uh, the, uh, yes and no. Okay, so first of all, your situation, don't, first thing I would say is don't beat yourself up because it's normal. The fog of divorce makes it very cloudy to stay focused. Yeah. One of the very, very first advice in my book is to force yourself to sit down if you haven't begun your divorce negotiations yet and to write down only two or three things that are paramount and important to you. You have to manage your attorney, not the other way around. So if you are able to go to your attorney, ham a piece of paper and say, look, these are the two or three things that are really important to me, compromise everywhere else. Number one, that's gonna save you money. Okay. Sometimes when people look at the title of my book, which says take the high road, um, divorce with compassion for yourself and your family. Oh, I don't want to read that guy's book. He's just saying, give away the farm. It's the opposite. There's a relationship between conflict 
and cost, both financial and stress. So the fewer things you're arguing about, the less money you're paying to the attorneys and the less stressful it is and the faster you can move on to the next phase of life. So taking a high road typically actually saves you money. So I'll, I'll give an example there, all right? So there was a divorcee I interviewed um, and uh, in the process of their marriage ending, they had just moved across the country and he did not want to make that move. And he just uprooted his entire life, okay? So he and his wife are about to split. Neither of them at that time had new partners, so there was no third party involved. So one of the two things that were really important to him, one was custody. He wanted to be, you know, he just moved across the country in order to make sure that he was gonna be involved in his kids' lives. So he wanted to get a, a reasonable amount of custody. Number two, he wanted to never be in a situation again where he had to move across the country in order to be a part of the kids' lives. And he recognized the reality of the fact that there's a chance that my, uh, 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 sorry, that, that his former spouse will meet a partner in another city. So now you can't, you can't write into an MSA that he or she can't move. But what you were able to do is the support was tied to um, geography. So if one of the partners moved outside a 15 mile uh, 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 distance of where they lived, then the support levels could be re redone. Okay, so that gave some level of geographic stability and th that father was able to say, I can check out now and worry about building my life in this new city. So the point I make in here is that um, it's a really healthy exercise if you haven't got divorced. As Arena said, I'm gonna take steal your words. The fog of divorces exist in, you gotta get through that fog and, and look at yourself take an inventory of your life, say, what are the most important two or three things? It can't be more than two or three that I want my life to look like, or I want to have post-divorce. And if you give that to your attorney and say, this is what I want you to accomplish. And, and everywhere else is not on that list, compromise. It's going to make you seem more reasonable it's going to save you money because your attorney's only fighting for two or three things, not 17. Um, and so by getting the deal done faster and, and reduce the number of things you're fighting about, in many cases, you'll be saving yourself tens of thousands of dollars in, in, in attorney payments, not to mention the stress that comes with arguing about a bunch of things. So, uh, so yeah, so that's where it's really, really important during the fog of divorce to figure out what is really, really important to you and focus on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I like that, you know, simplifying things so we are not in overwhelm. Just pick one or two that are important, focus on them, and then just to your point, we can, it's not set in stone. We can reconvene at a future time and adjust whatever is needed 
at the time because we can't see the future and all the different things that's going to happen we can only plan as far as we can maybe two three years and then reevaluate <laughs> is our ship going in the right direction for sure arena for sure so recently you um came out with a second version of the book so what what are some of the updates or what some of the interesting things that you would like to share about it sure well actually one of them i touched on uh earlier um and I'll, so i'll speak to that the, the second edition of the book just got published and there's really only two main differences okay one uh is that um we utilize the advice and counsel throughout the book of the therapy community, the therapy community that supports children and also supports divorcees. But I kind of do a post-mortem where I actually had a 40-year therapist uh, do give a chapter that kind of talks about the type of counsel uh, given in the book, but from the lens of a therapist, not a businessman like me. So it's a really, really insightful chapter. But the biggest change is a chapter that I wrote at the beginning of the book. So we talked about this today that, you know, what's the number one complaint that divorcees have? And in all these interviews I did with, with couples are getting that have gotten divorced, it would sound something like this, Arena. No matter what I do, he will, he will say no. No matter how nice I am, she's uncooperative. It's always a lack of control over what your former spouse is doing and a, and a frustration around that. So I know you've read the book. You'll notice in the book that there's a lot of, almost all of the counsel given is are, are, is are unilateral steps that you can take the reader that do not depend on a, a, a certain response from your former spouse. But yet, if you could take these steps, they are designed to uh, hopefully result in, a, in an improvement and change in behavior, which makes it easier to manage your life. So this chapter I wrote basically identifies this for the reader before they begin reading so that they can understand, oh, I, I understand why the tips are given in this way. So it, it basically presents what I've said here today, Irina, in that you can only control one person, and that's the person you're looking at in the mirror. So you can be frustrated with what your ex is or is not doing, but you can't, con I mean, you couldn't stay married. So the last thing you could do is control his or her actions in divorce. But there are things that you can do yourself that A, will make it easier on you, B, have your children's needs paramount, and C, if you continue to adjust your behavior along a certain strategy, are designed to result in improvement and a change from your ex. So we kind of laid this out on day one so that as the reader reads these 46 different tips, he or she will realize, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to continue to do this. And hopefully he will finally change or she will finally change. So um, I think it was a really important chapter is an, uh, to me is a necessary chapter because when your eyes are open to 
a, a theme of how the advice is given, I believe that the reader will find the advice more helpful because he or she will realize, okay, it's only what I can do myself that can improve my situation. Hopefully he will change. Hopefully she will recognize this, but I'm gonna control myself. So anyhow, so those are the two major changes and I like it. I think it, it's working and um, I've already got uh, some great feedback and, and hopefully um, with these changes, people will get more out of the book. Thank you, thank you. And congratulations on making a second version. That's amazing. We will include the new links in episode notes so people can directly purchase the book. Any other uh, information you wanna share about yourself? Any links if people would like to learn more about your, you? other than your book yeah you can get my book on amazon take the high road divorce with compassion for yourself and your family we got a website uh www.takethehighroaddivorce.com where we publish podcasts that are excellent like this one for um for those that are fans of the book and fans of the council um we also post some articles where i've been quoted so but the main thing i'd say guys is keep doing what you're doing Listen to podcasts like this, um, you know, read the, 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 the better books that are recommended. Um, if you can seek out help from the therapy community. And I would also say from as a glass half full is that it typically will get better. Um, and just remember that. Uh, I can't tell you if it's six months away or a year and a half away, but almost always the relationship with your ex improves and co-parenting be can become easier but you can accelerate that by taking steps such as the ones you're taking already. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. We really learned a lot how to handle the holidays and hopefully it will help the listeners as well who are dealing with the situation. Uh, thank you for helpful tips and sharing with us today. Irina, my pleasure as always. And if you want me back for a fourth time, just say when and I'll be there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Would love to have you. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset and Support for Relationships where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you. Because you are limitless.